Praise God. Well, you know, we've got a, we've got a title today, Purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that this is just going to be a reminder, a little refresher course today. But the purpose of the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to show you in the Word, because I think sometimes we forget um, uh, about, you know, what what is what is the purpose for all this power. We talk a lot and sing a lot in Pentecostal circles about power and and the power of God and the power of God, you know, hitting you and doing things to you and blessing you and empowering you. But we have to ask the question, empowering for what? And uh, so the word tells us the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you would think from some places, and it can get this way, it can get weird in full gospel circles that you almost think that the purpose is so that you can have all these manifestations uh, in your life. Amen. You can, you know, you can speak in tongues. You can flow in, in the gifts. You can um, feel, physically feel the anointing of God. You can sense the anointing of God. You can have experiences in God where sometimes you, like Pat said, that she rolled down the steps or whatever, and somebody said to her, "You're, you know, congratulations, you're officially a holy roller." And she rolled up, but I've I've seen people roll up the steps. I'm telling you, roll up the steps. You know that's hard to do uh, by yourself. I don't even know if you can do it really. But I saw the Lord take somebody in a meeting we had one time in uh, Tulsa. Praise the Lord and. Um, uh, rolled up the steps like four or five onto the platform in front of everyone. And, you know, these are spectacular things. And even then, you have to analyze it late, a little later when you get kind of out of the fog of it and say, um, yeah, praise God, we're all for that. But then what would be the purpose of that? And some, And God has purposes. He doesn't just do things wild just because he can. Amen. If God wanted to, he could put a 500-year-old redwood sequoia tree in the middle of your living room. But uh, I'm just telling you, um, and they're so big, they might take up your whole living room. I don't know. But I'm just saying God can do whatever he wants to do. He, he is a big God with big power. How many believe that? He's almighty God. And we love him and serve him and, and remember when your life looks like it's not going anywhere. Realize who you serve, whom you serve, and and who he is and what his names are. Amen. And the power that he has. He can solve all of our problems in a flash, in an instant. Isn't that beautiful? So he does. How many believe God is a God of purpose? And uh, if you if you don't understand a lot about that, I'm going to pitch my book now, <laughs> Empowerment. Uh, Get a copy of that from the bookstore. Get a copy of that green-covered book, Empowerment. And it's why every believer can do the works of Christ. And it's really a, ma a major statement in that book uh, and theme is um, about purpose. What's the purpose 
for all these things. Display of God's power. And uh, it's a sign to the unbeliever, for one thing. And it's a, uh, a, a working of God's purposes and plans to the believer. And I liked what Pat kept saying. Are you a belie- are you just a believer, like as a, as a, as a label? Or are you a believing believer? I would, I would maybe say it this way. Are you a practicing believer? Are you, are you practicing the presence of the Lord? Are you, are you doing the work and the will of the Father? And Jesus was always talking about who he was and what he, what his purpose was. He was very purpose driven. He said, I have come to. So in other words, the, that's, that's a purposeful statement. I have come to. If somebody knocks on your door at your home and they're standing there in a uniform and I have come to clean your carpets. I have come to, uh, fix your electrical problem. I have come to, um, you know, ir- <laughs> mow the grass or whatever. They're, they will state, who they are, hi, I'm John, and I'm with this company, and this is what I'm here to do. You know their name, you know who they are, and you know what they're there for. And uh, we we kind of accept that till it comes to the things of God, and then we put our brain in the basket and outside and come in and, and just nuts. But um, did you know that we don't have to be nuts even with the things of God that look nutty to somebody. You know, there's always purpose in everything that God does. I believe that. Not only just I choose to believe that, and I know it's true, but it's also in the Word, if you study the Word from that standpoint. Look for the purpose. Well, the per- the Holy Spirit, God did not... You remember Jesus said, uh, when I go, I'll pray the Father, and He'll send... Another comforter, and the only difference is he's going to stay with you forever. He's going to abide with you. Jesus did not, in that sense, physically on the earth, abide with us forever. He left. He he ascended, if you haven't read. (laughs) Amen. He ascended with the promise that he would return. But he says, I'm not going to just leave you by yourself. Y'all do the best you can. See you later. Uh, mark the calendar rapture day and hold, hold out to the end. No, he said, when I, when I go to the Father, I will pray the Father. And, and, um, and that's, in, you know, John 14 he said, I will pray the Father and he will send another comforter that will live and abide with you forever. Praise God. So one purpose of the Holy Spirit is to have the, living, manifest presence of the Father himself in our lives. Amen. And with us every moment that we live and breathe on this earth. Can you say amen? Amen. So it's not just to turn us into aisle-running, flip-over-the-back-of-the-pew, holy rollers, so to speak, but there's a purpose for the Holy Spirit that even with every experience, it adds to the purpose. And and if we remember that, um, we're, it'll also make our hearts more open to what God is doing, even if we don't understand it. 
you know, God really did use uh, Rodney uh, Howard Brown in um, uh, in America at a certain period of time to bring a spirit of joy into the church. Like he said, we've been crying 500 years. Maybe we ought to try laughing. And some people were so bound up with just the of life, you know, that comes at you, that they, they couldn't even smile, much less laugh. And so God used him, and there was an outpouring of that. And then, you know, parts of it, it's not his fault. Parts of it got weird and wacky, and it always goes that way. But it doesn't mean that, it, that there wasn't purpose to the original move or flow. Amen? My point is that a lot of people said, well, I don't understand this. I've never seen anything like this before. But then the question begs, well, did anything good come out of it? And and a lot of good came out of it. There were people who were called into evangelistic work under that ministry and are still going to the nations today, preaching the gospel. So if all that happened is a bunch of drunk charismatics, sort of speak, drunk on the Holy Spirit, uh, just aren't you thrilled? Well, then, you know, then the question is, well, what, what's the value of it? But when there's something that's long lasting and, and helps get the great commission and the word of God out there, then, then you begin to see, you know, structure to it. And sub, uh, you see weightiness and substance and value. Amen. I hope you're getting something out of this. John 20, 21, we get a glimpse into the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So we know that, again, from John 14, that um, Jesus said that uh, the Comforter would come and abide with you. Amen? So what's he doing? Well, it's the Zoe life of God. We used to sing that old little chorus, you know. It's all over me, and it's keeping me alive. Well, what is it? <laughs> what is it? You know, uh, Jergens lotion or, you know, mayonnaise? What is it? You know, it's all over me. It's keeping me alive. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's not seeds and sprouts sold to you by people wearing Birkenstocks. Praise the Lord. It's... Um, it's, uh, it, it, that's not the point. The point is, it's the power of God, the life of God, the love of God, the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, all the fruit of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit, all the empowerment, that's the name of my book. Anyway, all the empowerment of the Spirit is upon you because Jesus went to heaven and prayed the Father that he would send another comforter. And then he's, and remember what he said at the end of that. And it's like, you know, and's an important word in the English language. Did you know that? Because it's conjoining what was said previously to what's about to come. And it's got equal value. It's got equal value. And, you know, and, and is an important word because it, 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 it uh, ties together. Anne's like the connection on a train from the car in front to the one in the back. And ask the people in the back how important the connection might be. It's very important, isn't it? 
or if you've got a boat, a car and a car and a boat and there's a trailer, the hitch is about the most important part. If the hitch goes, there goes everything. So the hitch or the connector is the word and. Praise God. Uh, and so the word and there is, uh, and, um, you know, he'll live and abide with you forever. And the works that I do, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. So there we get a little idea of purpose of the Holy Spirit. Again, thank God for the feelings we receive, for the sensations, for the manifestations of his power and glory. It makes, we used to sing an old song, makes me laugh and makes me cry, sets my living soul on fire, something like that. That's true. Praise God. That's our Pentecostal experience. But um, there's got to be more to it than just an experience. This is not a ride on the roller coaster at Bush Gardens. Amen. It's just a, a thrill. Well, thank, nothing wrong with being thrilled. Praise the Lord. I like a good roller coaster as good as anybody. But the point is, being blessed by the Holy Spirit is not a roller coaster ride. <laughs> Amen. There's always purpose to it. Even if you're just thrilled, you know, from head to toe, inside and out with his presence. And I've seen people go, oh, it's all over me. And I, I, and I, I can't even stand up or I, I don't know what to do. I can't sleep. I can't whatever, you know, this is the, the power of God. Praise God, I am not taking anything away from anybody. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of the move of the Spirit. I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, but you can see that there's purpose right there. Every time Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit, he mentions the purpose. Every time. Not just you need to get this and it's going to really change your life. Well, it will change your life, but that's not even the purpose either, to change your life. It, the perp, it will change your life, but that's not the purpose. The purpose, uh, we're going to see here what it is. So one is, one is to do the works of the Father. And what's the spearhead? What's the arrowhead, the spearhead? What's the tip of the spear of doing the work of the Father? Uh, living a holy life, being whatever. Well, those are important things, but that's not the tip of the spear. The tip of the spear is the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There's no asterisk, see footnote below, unless you're on this tribe and that tribe and whatever else, and universalist baloney. I almost said something else, but that's not there. So, uh, baloney's good enough. Um, so, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get to Acts 1-8 in a minute, but I want you to look at John 20 and, uh, verse 21. Alright, so the tip of the spear on doing the works, amen, can you see that? Is being a witness. To those that need to be witnessed to. Okay. John 20, 21. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father 
hath sent me, even so I send you. Now, here is a purpose verse. He's talking about being sent. So he's going to say something next about the Holy Spirit. So you can see there's always purpose tied to the Holy Ghost. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Well, it says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, because that's Old English. It's not even actually Old English. It's newer than that. It's King James English. Old English, you couldn't understand it. It looks like Latin. So we say Old English, but it's not. That would be Old English. Isn't that a, isn't there a furniture polish named Old English? Yeah, praise God. There might be a men's cologne named something like that. I don't know. What did we have in the 70s? High karate and uh, different, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. Um, isn't it interesting? He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a living person. Amen. It's not, it's not a, it's not a doctrine. It's not a, even though there is a doctrine that we can study the Holy Spirit by from the Word, but the Holy Spirit's not a, a doctrine, a set of rules to live by, some kind of nine steps to power or whatever. The Holy Spirit is a living, breathing part of the Godhead and represents the entire Godhead. Praise God. So isn't this cool? We have this great commission. We have this instruction to win the lost and preach the gospel. But we're not just doing it because we're, we drank the Kool-Aid and we're all excited. <laughs> we're doing it because uh, we are empowered by God's life himself. To do it. Let me tell you something about physical death. That when it occurs, uh, there's no break in your life. In other words, you are filled with God. You are filled with His life. You are filled with His uh, intellect and, and all the living things that He is. The Zoe life of God, which that's a whole lesson on that. It's the life that lives itself. It's the life that doesn't depend on anything else. It is the source of life, the Zoe life of God. And that comes in you when you receive Christ. You receive, breathe, the, the Holy Spirit breathes on you. You receive the Holy Spirit there. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to read about in a minute. And you receive those kind of two steps there to having a fullness, what we call the full gospel message. You have the fullness of God in and upon you, in you and upon you. Amen. And so you get to the end of life, whatever age that is, and you pass from this life into the next. Did you know it's like walking from this room into that one? It's not like this place of darkness and down the dark tube somewhere. <laughs> you know, 
you will never, in your intellect or knowledge, you'll never experience the grave, the cremation machine, or whatever else, the Neptune Society over here in Palm Harbor. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to become fish food. But, I mean, you know, they might feed your body to the fish, but I'll tell you what, your spirit man never knows the difference. The life that you feel and experience and know now in Christ will be yours forever. Glory. Isn't that hopeful and wonderful? And that when a person gets to the end of life's journey and it's time for them to, to go on, that they don't have to freak out and be fearful and hold on. I've seen people hold on to this world. When you're thinking, just let go, you know, it's just, there's something better. It's just in the next room, you know, it's like starving in one room and they've got, you know, the cruise ship buffet next door. Come on. Praise God. I don't know what I'm on that for. Maybe it helps somebody watching on the line, but I, you know, and to us, you know, you know, I guess, you know, Cindy too was talking about losing Bruce and, but, uh, we, you know, we say, well, we lost our maid or whatever, but we really haven't lost anything. And they certainly haven't lost anything. We just miss, you know, face-to-face time with them and their fellowship, amen, and the humor that they bring or the, the, the wisdom that they bring or the friendship. I mean, we all miss friends, right, that's gone on. But I'm telling you, we get a spiritual perspective on it, and it's a different story, amen. Anybody that's fought their way out of a sick and dying body into eternity, we, we need to, re- I mean, we're sad, sure, but we rejoice with them. Yeah. They don't have to put up with the nonsense anymore and yeah. nurse ratchet. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's time for a year. You know what? Okay. <laughs> it's time for your procedure. <laughs> God. Okay, receive the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them, but right before that, remember, he said something about being sent. There's purpose tied to it. Now look at Acts 1 8. Are you getting anything out of this? Now, I always said we probably could have gotten more Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians and Lutherans interested in the Holy Spirit if we would have emphasized purpose first and manifestation second. But in Pentecost, we made such a a deal out of manifestation uh, that it scared people, (laughs) just to be honest. Well, I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost, and I'm not ashamed of speaking in tongues, and I'm not ashamed of the gifts of the Spirit or any other operation of the Spirit. But on the other hand, I think we need to constantly emphasize the purpose for all these things so that people who still have a brain, they didn't put it theirs in the basket out front, um, can can think it through sometimes, amen, to say, oh, okay, well, I see purpose here. All right, praise the Lord. Acts, and listen, 
I'm not an outsider looking in and being critical. I am definitely an insider. Um, somebody this week asked me about my background, and I said, I'm a fourth-generation Pentecostal. I mean, my great-grandmother spoke in tongues and wore her hair in a knot and didn't believe in Nair. For the for 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 teenagers that are watching, Nair is hair removal cream. And those sisters that would lean down and speak into your ear, you're you're eight years old seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they're asking you if there's any sin in your life. Yes, at eight years old, there's major sin. And uh but you could feel their whiskers in your ear. It kind of felt like Blanche in the morning, my bulldog, you know. I love Blanche, but she, she's she got a hair, a facial hair issue. <laughs> no sister led better. There's no sin in my life, but there's about to be if you don't get your mustache out of my ear. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Acts one eight, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you won't know what it's for. It's just a weird thing from God. Is that what it says? No. It says, you shall be witnesses. Now notice there's in punctuation. I I, I just love the English language, and I love grammar, even though I slaughter it sometimes. But that's because I went to school in the state of Georgia, and we were 49th in the nation for education. Mississippi was always 50. And South Carolina, sometimes we got to be 48 when South Carolina was 49. So even our teachers would slaughter the English language, trying to teach us to speak it. So praise God. Anyway, I I did finally learn a little bit about language. And I'm still learning. Amen. Uh, I just love writing and I love the way that things are printed and said. Amen. Uh, and, and we love Georgia and, and uh, Alabama and South Carolina and Mississippi. Now, Louisiana, that's a different story. We love them too, but they're a little weird. Okay, just saying. That's a whole, you need a visa to go in and out of there. Um, now notice, notice the colon after you in that sentence. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Colon. Now that's an important punctuation because it means that and the word and is there too. So this is really kind of a double deal here with with meaning because and is conjunctive. It could have could have left the colon out and just conjoined it. But I think the colon is important because it shows it's almost like an announcement. Like now pay attention. What's coming after this colon 
is is the deal. It's like it's it's it refers back to the earlier part of it. And it says, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, which is like your home base. Let's just call Jerusalem your home, your hometown, your your people, your family, your your friends, people in your life, uh, where you work, the very familiar surrounds surroundings. Amen. Your home church, your 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 situation. That's daily. Your daily life is Jerusalem. And in all Judea, which Judea was more of a region, so you have a regional reach, and in Samaria, which is even a bigger area, and then finally unto the uttermost parts of the earth, which means what we would call the foreign field, amen? The ends of the earth, like Nebraska. In South Dakota. Okay, so, I'm kidding. So, um, you know, sometimes church, local church, and we don't have this problem here, but a lot of churches really have very little concept of outreach at all. I mean, they, 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 they really don't see beyond the four walls of the building and the choir loft and whatever else. But, uh, and then other churches will, will maybe see the local scene and that's all they do. Thank God for anything anybody does. Not knocking anything. Praise the Lord. But then, you know, there's a few ministries. Thank God it's kind of a lot of them from my tribe. <laughs> We had a display of my tribe here this week. That's my tribe. That's my group right there. But um, our tribe seemed to really kind of at least get a part of this, that we want to go to everywhere with the good news. Amen? And that's why in, in the sort of the evangelistic side of this ministry, which is Horton Ministries, you know, we that's why we put out a map. We don't put out a magazine because we're bored and have nothing to do. We're, we're trying to reach people with the message and encourage believers to do the work of the ministry. Amen. And then also, uh, to reach beyond. So publications, um, you know, media, everything media, everything media. We'll just say it that way. It's an easy way to say it. Everything, all things media, um, traditional media and more modern versions of media are important, amen, just to get the message out there. And then Scarlett and I physically get on a plane and fly to places that you wouldn't believe <laughs> and, uh, and, and reach the lost, amen? So we believe in taking this scripture literally, and it's a part of our mission statement of this ministry, you know, that we're... Uh, we're a local church, we are a teaching center, and uh, we are an evangelistic outreach, amen, to the, to the nations. And so, but uh, anyway, that's, that's the whole evangelism message. But here you see purpose for the power. Hallelujah. So the purpose of the power is not 
for you to put your hair up into a Tower of Babel look, reaching heaven with your hairdo, and being the epitome of holiness look, which means mustache and big hair. The women really got picked on, didn't they, Ruby? I'm telling you. And uh where they look like a Mormon cult or something, you know. So, you know, we got well, what why are you why are you dressing weird and trying on purpose to be ugly and having more rules than the Soviet Union could think of in 75 years? Why are you behaving in this way? Well, because we're Holy Ghost people. You see, that, that message should have never been gotten out there like that. That's not, that's not right. That's weird. And, and, and normal people thought it was weird and wanted to stay away from us like we were the plague of Egypt. So thank God that we've grown brains since then and, uh, can realize that, you know, we can dress normal. <laughs> Amen. And talk normal and be sort of like blend in, be the salt, be the light and blend in and, uh, and, and, and God use us and be a witness in the midst of it. He wants us to intermingle with the world. We were taught stay away from the world and, and win them at the same time. So I have a picture of a, Somebody on a witnessing team, you know, with a Tyvek suit on and a mask. And they're on the witnessing team because they've been warned to stay away from the world because they're so nasty and dirty and sinful. Stay away. They'll infect you. You'll get the leprosy upon you. You stay. So you back away from them and you take one of those extension rod things, you know, with a clamper on the end. That's where you have the track. Please back away from the track. I will leave it on the table. I'm releasing it now. Well, I'm witnessing, but staying away from them. But how do you be salt in the meat if the salt never gets near the meat? How do you be light if you're not infusing it into the middle of the darkness. Glory to God. Well, if you're not careful, you'll fall into sin. Nobody falls into sin. You make a decision. You know, you don't need to be in a nightclub with some girl on the pole or something, you know, uh, some horrible place. You don't have to go there to sin. You can sin sitting in church and thinking some horrible thing. (laughs) That's so crazy. Well, stay away from everywhere, everything. Wear a bubble wrap Tyvek suit with a breathing oxygen tank. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm going to the Walmart. (laughs) Why are you wearing a Tyvek suit? So the world and the stench and its filth doesn't get upon me. Well, that's just a real hard way to witness to people. 
when you're when they and and they can sense it. You're judging them. You know, somebody comes to church and they all of a sudden say, um, "What time does service start?" Ten. Well, I got to go out front and smoke a cigarette. Oh, brother! Now let me just tell you. Praise the Lord. Who cares? Don't smoke a cigarette. We have donuts. That's much healthier. Come on. You know, praise God. I'm at, well, nobody's like that here. I'm, just, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about your church on the Internet. No, I'm just... <laughs> Let me tell you who I'm talking about. The Apostle Paul would have named the church, but I'm not quite that mean. Praise the Lord. All right, you got Acts 1-8 down? <laughs> you see, we are called not only as a church to, to witness locally, regionally, you could say locally, county, state, region, nation, world, as a, as a body, the whole body of Christ is called to this. But then our church is called to it, and then we're called to it individually. Amen? Well, not everybody's going to be able to get on the Lufthansa and fly to wherever. But I'll tell you, uh, if we can't go, we can send somebody that is able to go. And and Paul said, not that I desire a gift, but that fruit may abound to your account. All right. One more verse, all right, or two. And then we'll be out of here. Still beat the Baptist to the cafeteria as we drive faster. <laughs> Acts 2. Um, I want you to see this. Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Um, which brings up the joke, how many people can fit in a Honda? 120, because it says they were all in one accord. Sorry. That's corny. That's bad. i got to get new writers. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Is this kind of cool, isn't it? There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled, just certain ones that are special or the, the, the really good rule keeper-y ones? No. <laughs> the, um, they were, how many were filled? All. With the Holy Ghost. And you could say, and they all, because it's implied, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Isn't that beautiful? They all spoke. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And then he, you know, he, he finally said, 
some people say, well, they're drunk. He said, they're, they're not drunk, uh, like you're saying. But it's, uh, but th- in verse, uh, s- uh, 16, he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he talks about the Spirit of God being poured out. Amen. And all the things that are going to happen. And then he finally again refers to this purpose in verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he tells them, you men of Israel, um, boy, that was bold. Now, this is the same guy that was scared of these same folks. Just just a few days before. What's happened to him? Why is he suddenly bold? Did he take a karate course in self-defense? Why is he suddenly bold to even openly confront some of the people involved in this? Because he said, Jesus Christ, I mean, he said, you men of Israel, Jesus Christ, he says, um, whom you, uh, whom you crucified, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, and he was afraid of himself getting crucified before. Now, see, he was he was a look at this at school. He was a follower of Christ. He was one of the close ones to Christ. Amen. And he's and 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 he's is naturally afraid of this mob that you know. Well, we've killed one of them let's get the rest of them and he's hiding and he denies christ three times which means he could have not had credentials in the church of god or assemblies or pentecostal holiness or the united pentecostal church or the congregational holiness or foursquare or any other group that claims to speak in tongues they would have said you've denied christ there's no hope for you. You're going to hell. It's a certainty. But because he apparently joined the Catholic Church, just ask them. They'll tell you. He could have credentials. Anyway, but this guy, you know I'm being facetious, the whole thing. All right. Please don't come correct me. I get it. Now, this guy who is scared to death of these people is now confronting them publicly. And there's at least 3,000 of them. That's a pretty big mob. They could pretty well stomp your guts out in about five minutes. So he's just is going, well, you know, he's telling them. <laughs> but he says... Um, He says um, in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, there's a very well-known Bible teacher that we all love and adore and know who, who is saying openly the Jews had nothing to do with the death of Christ. Well, I guess you just take an exacto knife and cut that out of the Bible. How can you say that when it says clearly here 
that Paul, uh, Peter told them, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. I'm just saying. Don't get mad at me. Well, this person's got a special revelation. Well, if it's a special revelation beyond the word, then it's wrong. Doesn't mean that they're the devil or anything. It's just they're wrong. I can read. Thank God, Georgia public school did teach me to read the King's English. And I'm not going to take, somebody said one time, uh, well, he said, you don't have chapter and verse for some of this exemption, you know, thing. Uh, it's actually dual covenant theology, but it said, you know, you don't have chapter and verse for it. And this minister is my friend, one of my friends. He said, well, you're, you're not going to find this in the Bible. This is by special revelation. Well, that's unscriptural too. The Bible says there is no such thing as private interpretation. So I don't know what they're smoking, but they need a new dealer. All right. There's some wacky weed in there. Maybe they should switch to donuts. Um, he said, uh, let all the, how, how many? All the house of Israel. So how did they get an exemption all of a sudden? Oh, I'm just sorry. I'm just asking. That God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is made unto you and your children and all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And it says, They gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, who are those people? Can I just go here a minute? It says that, and they were dwelling, uh, if you look at verse 5, they were, there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So the crowd that day, on the day of Pentecost, when this amazing thing happened, they were Jews. They're not exempted there. Peter told, they said, what must we do? He didn't say, you don't need to do anything. You've got Abraham's covenant. I feel really lonely up here. Where did this come from? Where did this doctrine come from of now they've got a special covenant and, and uh, they're, they're exempt from the gospel? Where did that come from? It's not from the Bible. You have no idea what risk I'm taking to even say this publicly. I have people that will absolutely crucify me for saying that. Well, you're anti-Semitic. No, I'm not. I'm, a, I, I'm, 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 uh, I'm from Georgia. And I can read. Amen. Why are you so mean? I'm not being mean. I'm reading Acts. Praise the Lord. Well, this is making me uncomfortable. Good. Yeah. Study to show yourself approved. 
Amen. Well, I'm not writing any books about it or getting on, you know, becoming, you know, that, that preacher in California, bless his heart, Dr. Gene Scott, who sat in a big chair and smoked a cigar and cussed and threw everything on the floor and the meaner he got on TV, the more money came in. So I don't know, there's some connection. But, um, so I'm not that, but I'm just saying that, uh, this is for everybody. The gospel. How is saying the gospels for everybody suddenly mean? That's ridiculous, isn't it? So praise the Lord. He he didn't tell them when they said, "What must we now do?" Why didn't he say, "This is not for you. It's only for the Greeks and the Gentiles." Why didn't he say that? I want to know why. <laughs> Well, I don't know why, except for that Peter seemed to know (laughs) the gospel. Amen? So the only other conclusion, if you believe this other nonsense, the only other conclusion is that you have to believe that the scriptures have been tainted somehow. That somehow there's something wrong with the printed Bible. And that the Apostle Paul, he needed a new dealer. Because he must have been really crazy. Because he said, I am called to the Jew first and then to the Greek. He never renounced that. Never said, well, it ain't working with the Jews so well, so I'm going to just give them an exemption. Do not collect two, do not, you know, do not, you know, monopoly. An exemption card. Do not collect $200. All right. Praise God. Anyway, I wanted you to see that, that, that you can see all this talk about the Holy Ghost. And on the day of, I would say, the greatest manifestation of the, uh, the inward, uh, dwelling of the Spirit on these believers. This is the early church, the very ones that were the charter members of the first church of God, you know, basically. And the earth, amen? Um, the, the church of God of Jerusalem, not Cleveland. So, <laughs> Tennessee. Um, they, they, the very first church members understood their mission. And isn't that cool? It's the very first thing that happened. What's the very first thing that happened after the Holy Spirit, I'll, be, I'll get back up here. I'm ruining the whole thing. I bombed the song service, and now I'm bombing the, um, the, the And I'm going to shut up. I've been preaching way too long. I'm so over time. It's a disaster. But uh, the very first thing that happened after they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues is that they begin to, the, the world begin to ask questions. What does this mean? What meaneth this? And Peter was able to say, I don't know. We're just happy. No, he said, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> he said, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. I mean, the first thing he said was to preach the gospel. Those verses there is the gospel about Jesus and how his body was not allowed to suffer corruption and all those things and how God raised him from the dead. And, and he didn't even give an altar call. 
he just preached and stood there. And it says, they were pricked in their hearts and said, what must we? In other words, this message of Jesus Christ has made us come to the conclusion that we must do something different. There must be, not continue as you were, you're fine, you're exempt. No, we must do something. And he said, what? Repent. Repent of what? Repent of the way you've been trying to get to God's favor. Not drinking, smoking, and dancing, these people. They're devout Jews. They're not doing any of, they're not doing anything outwardly that they're aware of wrong. It says they were the devout ones. They're law keepers. And he's telling law keepers to repent. What do they have to repent of? Well, that one lamb I brought for the sacrifice, it had a spot, but it, the priest never saw it. You know, no, I mean, it's, no, I mean, there's nothing that they're doing outwardly to, to, you know, to, to, to be judged. And yet he tells them to repent. Well, that just means to change direction, agree with God and get on course. That's really repentance is more that than, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So they're over here. Boy, I got people crucify me for that right there too. But I'm telling you, because we want snot. Anyway, so they're, you know, he's telling these law-keeping, covenant-abiding Jews to repent and turn to Christ. Isn't that something? So, uh, anyway, the point is, the first mass evangelism event on the earth was on the day of Pentecost with Peter preaching to an all-Jewish crowd. Wow! In Jerusalem, no less. Not even Tulsa. Jerusalem. Sheikah. And that's what he did. Isn't that something? So that gives us a little direction here, doesn't it? Purpose. I would love nothing more than to see somebody like, you know, I don't know who. I'd be careful with names. But it would just be great to see a, an amazing, you know, crusade-style preacher. Probably wouldn't use the word crusade in Jerusalem. That wouldn't go over. But anyway, think about it. But um, <laughs> but an event, a gospel event, just in the biggest venue, stadium, or whatever that would be there, uh, and just and preach just Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and just see an amazing God do an amazing thing. Wouldn't that be beautiful? And uh, yeah. All right. I'll, I, I had thoughts there that are unspeakable. And full of glory. <laughs> that I won't say. Because I don't want to cut off my nose to spite my face. God loves everybody. God loves, God loves Christians, but He loves Jews. He loves Muslims. He loves Hindus. He loves whatever. Atheists and Marxists. He loves them all. Amen. And Jesus died for the whole world. And it's our mess, it's our, 
privilege to be ambassadors for Christ, beseeching the world in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if you were touched this weekend and by the power of God and the anointing and, you know, hands were laid on you or whatever, praise God. I'm telling you, it's to empower you to be a stronger and greater witness to the world. Amen. All right. That's enough preaching, dear God. I think the Methodists are beating us to the cafeteria by now. Praise God. Well, you can go, uh, remember Wednesday night. Oh, wait, I gotta pray for the, for the internet people. Um, amen. I'm gonna pray a prayer of healing, a word of healing. And so if you're, if you're, uh, watching today and, and you're with us online, just pray this prayer with me. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is just call on the Lord. Say, Lord, I receive you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I thank you that your blood makes me clean, washes away all my sin, washes away my condition of sin, not just individual sins, but my sin state is changed, and I'm transformed from this world of darkness into light. Amen? And you just pray that prayer, and Christ will come, the Holy Spirit will come in your life, and uh, make you a new person, a new creature. So you pray that prayer, but um, for healing, lay your hand on yourself wherever you have a need, wherever there's a problem. And I'm going to speak the word in Jesus' name, be healed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors uh, to dry up and disappear, any kind of... Uh, Problem from diabetic conditions and and other things, uh, kidney issues, kidney failures, uh, any kind of organ uh, failure or problem in Jesus' name. Be healed and whole today. Those that are tormented in their minds or with mental health issues, Lord, we speak to them. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of peace, and we thank you that the peace of God will surpass understanding and bring uh, even emotional and um, and soulish healing to those who need that. Maybe somebody was abused as a child or something happened traumatic, Lord, that has caused them to, to be in in an in a awkward situation. In Jesus' name, we thank you for touching their life right now with the life and the light of God in Jesus' name. Those that have financial needs or material lack, we thank you, Lord, for showing yourself strong today and this week in their life. We thank you for promotions and raises and and rebates and refunds and debt cancellation and uh, a lot of just tremendous things. Miracle money coming in in Jesus' name. Be healed, whole, and filled in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great Sunday and uh, week. We'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday. And we'll be, be, be there or be square, amen. All right.